In your Bibles, if you will turn to um, Hebrews chapter uh, 9, uh, we want to look at um, what it's telling us here. And um, God is um, blessing, God is doing some wonderful things in our world. And a lot of it is based in the idea of Christian repentance um, and, and, and clearing our, conscience, our consciences of sin. And that's what our series has been focusing on. Is, is sin and how um, God defines it, how God can um, rescue us from it. I mean, that, that's the number one thing that, that you and I need is to make sure that we have our hearts and minds right with God. Uh, there's nothing more important. And I, and I say that because um, God is, is, is the creator of all reality and all reality and history, everything that is, is moving towards Him. And He is coming back to establish His kingdom on earth. <clears throat> I want to read those scriptures to you from Hebrews 9 beginning at verse 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of His own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. Let's pray this morning. Father, we just ask God that you would bless the reading and the hearing of your word. Let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Our conscience um, is our sense of guilt of what is right and what is wrong. It, it carries our sense of guilt. We, we, um, through our conscience, we, 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 we are able to discern you know, what is good and what is bad, and it helps us to make decisions about it. But, but, but within that conscience, it, it, you know, the, the wrong things that we do, the, the wicked things that we do, the sinful things um, that we do, um, bear the consequence of, of guilt. And, and, and guilt is, is um, racking our, our people today. It's, it's the one thing that you and I can't seem to extract. And, and, and the reason I say that is, if, if you look around and, and you see people who are involved in all these wicked things um, that are around us, sexual immorality, uh, drug use and, and, and uh, drug addictions, and, and uh, all, all sorts of, of evil that's going on in the world, Instead of trying to deal with the guilt that they're feeling because of it, um, the, the, first of all, they're saying, well, there, there's this outward shame that's happening in our society because of it. P people are shaming us. When, when really and truly, I, I think it has more to do with, with, with their conscience, um, having guilt for, for the wickedness that they're involved in. They're blaming other people for it. And so, so what, what they're trying to do is, is saying, okay, you have to accept us as we are. You have to accept us 
um, in, in our sexual immorality. You have to accept us in, in, in our um, gender identity. You have to accept uh, the, the so-called drag queens. You have, you have to accept, accept the cross-dressers. You have to accept transgender um, um, men in women's bathrooms. Those kinds of things. They're, they're, they're trying to force an acceptance on people. It, even in the young age in our public schools, they're, they're trying to teach this sort of acceptance among young people so that, um, and, and their young impressionable minds, when they grow up, they'll think, okay, all of this is okay. And, and that's how they're, they're trying to assuage this idea of guilt to, to, uh, to, to try to impose acceptance on people. And that happens in many forms, and it's not just um, what we're seeing in our society today when, when it comes to sexual immorality and, and, uh, and uh, lies of, of gender and, and transgender people. Um, that they're being fed lies, by the way. Um, and, and, I, and, I, and I feel sympathy um, and, and empathy for, um, for people who are truly going through this kind of gender dysphoria, uh, not, not knowing who I am as a male or a female. But, you know, they're, they're being fed this idea that um, people have to accept you. You get on social media, you, you push um, for, for this, this kind of stuff so that, um, and that, that, that's their way of getting rid of, the, of their guilt. But there's other ways in which, which that happens, and, and, it, and it's typical of human beings in general. We don't like guilt, and so we're doing everything we can to get rid of guilt by saying that what we're doing is okay, it should be accepted, uh, no, nobody can um, say that what I'm doing is wrong, but yet, uh, in God's eyes, you know, God has defined what sin is. God, God, uh, God is the one who holds us guilty for it. And so, so there's this, this idea of, of a real guilt that, that we hold before God because of His uh, judgment against evil and wickedness. But there's also th this sense of guilt within myself, a conscious, consciousness of guilt, um, that, that we know in our conscience what right and wrong is. God reveals it to us, and yet we um, still are caught up in, in, in guilt, and we can't seem to get rid of it. We, we, can't, we can't get rid of it. We're trying to force other people to get rid of it for us, but, but a lot of people just can't get rid of that sense of guilt in their conscience today because, because of sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Bible tells us. All of us have our guilt before God. But the good news is that Jesus Christ has secured an eternal redemption. And only through that eternal redemption that He has secured with His own blood can we truly have a conscience that's been purified of sin and of evil. We talked a few weeks ago about how God, um, you know, came up with a way for people to be reconciled to Him because their sins had separated them from God. That Their sinfulness was an affront to God. God is absolute goodness. God is absolute holiness. God is absolute perfection. And He's the only one that has a truly moral perfection in Himself. God... You know, when He gave the Ten Commandments and defined what sin for us, what was for us, God was saying, I, you know, he, he was revealing His own character. I'm not what someone who says one thing and does another. I, I, I'm not someone who just smite, who, who kills people for no reason out of pure anger. 
And, you know, I, I, I'm not a person who tries to um, steal from people. I, I'm not a person who presents myself as, as false. His own character and nature is, is um, revealed in that law. God Himself is, is holy. And, and that word has to do with this idea of being morally blameless, pure, absolute goodness. But it also has to do with God, God as, as a unique individual, separate and above the world. And, and nothing can withstand the presence of God except for those who have cleansed their hearts and minds of their sin. And so God made a way for them to reconcile. He says, all right, if, if, if you're obedient to the, this sacrificial system, I will count you right before me. I'll count you righteous. Now, what happened with that system a lot of times was that people would just go through the ritual of that system without having the true faith and repentance in their hearts. And, and God uh, judged them for that. But, but a person who had true faith and true repentance, who went through the sacrificial system, you know, sacrificing um, the animals and shedding their blood before God as, as a way of atonement, because um, you know, to be before God in, in, sin, in your sinfulness meant death, God allowed for the blood of bulls and goats to be the agent, their deaths to be the agent of purification of sins in that time. Now, the author of Hebrews, I call him the pastor. We don't really know who the author is. Some say it's Paul. Um, I don't think he writes in a particularly Pauline way. Um, he, he's more of a, that this is more of a Jewish writer. Um, Paul, Paul was Jewish, but he wrote a lot of things to the Gentiles and used a lot of Gentile language in his stuff. Um, we're, not, we're just not sure. But, but he is a preacher, and this is God's Word, and he was speaking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says here that Christ, when He came, was the superior high priest. And why was He the superior high priest? Because He entered into the spiritual temple with His own blood, sacrificed Himself for our sins. The very blood of the divine Son of God who took on human flesh. He couldn't, he couldn't have died unless He took on, took on human flesh. He took on human flesh. He suffered and died as a sacrifice for sins. And His um, blood, therefore, and His sacrifice are superior to anything that happened in the Old, the Old Testament. In fact, He says here that, that really and, and truly the blood of bulls and goats you know, was only a, a, in a ritual way pure, you know, helping the worshiper to come before God um, with his sins forgiven. But he says that that was only kind of an outward thing. And then they would also take the ashes of a red heifer, that they would burn a red heifer, and, and, and that, that was used for purification of the, 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 the priest and the different items in the temple and other things. You had to have the ashes of a red heifer for purification of, of, of the worshiper. But he says those, those things were only outward things, that, that they were outward symbols. And the problem is, is, that, is that they looked to the, too much to those out, outward symbols. But the thing of it was, those outward symbols pointed to something beyond themselves, and that was Jesus Christ. 
the one who would come and offer his own life on behalf of ours. Because our lives were forfeit because of our sin, we could not enter into God's presence with our sin intact. He said, here's, here's a way to reconcile. But now through Christ and his sacrifice, it was superior to all the things that happened in the Old Testament. All those rituals, all, all that daily sacrifices that they did. The Day of Atonement sacrifice, which happened once a year for the sins of all people. Christ's sacrifice um, represents that in a way, but is far superior to that because it was His own life that He gave. No other religion teaches that, that a God would sacrifice His own life to forgive the enemies of God. <laughs> God Himself came down in the form of human flesh and offered His life as a sacrifice for sins. He became the ultimate sacrifice for sin too. The once for all sacrifice. Once for all people and once for all time. Once for all people and once for all time. Christ died for the sins of the whole world. All means all. There are some groups, I'm sorry, that, that teach that Christ only died for the believers. Um, I, I don't accept that. To me, all means all. There, there is forgiveness available. Now, what we have to do is, we, we have to accept it. I mean, it's sort of like somebody who's out here um, selling a, the, the best item on the market, and, he, and he's got it out here, and he's got enough supply for everyone in, in that community. I mean, he's got more than enough supply. But if you don't go over there and buy it, <laughs> if you don't go over there and, 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 and get it, then, then what good is it? Jesus has already paid. In fact, it, it, it's a free gift now because Jesus is the one who paid, paid for it all. He, he's paid the price for it. He's not even selling this. He's saying that, that it's free, but you have to, come, you have to go get it. It, it, it. Christ died once for all, for all time, for all people. But you have to obtain it for yourself in order to get it. And Jesus made, made the conditions for getting it. Repentance and faith. And once we receive it by repentance and faith, repentance meaning we turn, we turn away in our hearts from that old sinful lifestyle and, and, and we agree with God that, that, that my sin has separated me from Him. And that I need to get rid of it in my life. And I'm truly sorry for it. And, and, and I want to be rid of it. Then we can obtain that, that, that um, blood that Jesus shed. And apply it to our own lives. And then we, but we also have to have faith. Um, fa faith is key. Sometimes pe people repent. And they, they feel sorry for their sin. But they don't have the faith that God can forgive them. Or, or, or the faith in Jesus Christ that they need. Because Jesus Christ is the only way to that salvation. Some people have faith in Christ and His salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And, 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 and they want um, God's grace and forgiveness. But they don't want to you know, repent of what they're doing and, and change and, and move away from it. Repentance um, is key. Faith is key. Faith without repentance is, is what we call cheap grace. Repentance without faith 
is, is just going to lead to more sorrow in a person's life. Because only Christ can really change our hearts. But Christ, through His own sacrifice, shed His own blood. He brought that blood into the spiritual sanctuary, poured it out on, on, for the whole earth, and thus secured an eternal redemption. Once for all, for all time. We just have to receive it for ourselves. And we also have to live with it, live within it. Hebrew warns has has uh, six strong warning passages that says you've got to remain in that in that um, eternal redemption. It's not eternal security in the sense that you know once I'm saved I'm always saved and I can never stray from it. But it is an eternal redemption that's available for all people who abide in it and live in it. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, as He was being nailed, He was securing eternal redemption for the whole world. As He cried out, it is finished, He was saying that the predictions of the Old Testament had been completed, the sacrifices of the Old Testament were completed. They all pointed to Him anyway, and here He is completing the eternal redemption once for all, for all time. And as he says here, this uh, preacher in, in the book of Hebrews, that only Jesus' sacrifice, his blood, can purify not only outwardly as, as the rituals did, but to purify our conscience within, to remove that guilt within us, to purify it of, of, of its evil. Remember we've been talking about over and over again, how um, there are outward sins, but there's also the source of sin within. There's a source of sin within us. That, that, this a corruption that we earn from Adam, that, that has corrupted our souls within, and it, it, is, it is the source of all sinful actions that come out of it. And, and, and we're just as guilty for the actions that come out of it as we are, that, that, that internal nature within us. It needs to be cleansed. It needs to be set right. It needs to be untwisted, so to speak. That word iniquity in the Old Testament, um, the, the Hebrew word literally means twistedness. God wants to untwist our natures <laughs> so that we're not only turned inward on, our, inward on ourselves, but that we're turned outwardly towards God and others. He has to fix that within us so that we can get rid of that guilty conscience within us. That we don't have to feel guilty anymore before Him because we know that we have repented, we've made things right with Him, He's forgiven us, and He has cleared our guilt. So that not only do we not have the fact of Jesus' um, sacrifice, but we have that knowledge within our hearts and minds that He has given us because we, we've, we've accepted it for ourselves. Takes repentance of and, and faith, and what Christ does in, in the heart is that he, he cuts away that that malignant cancer, so to speak, of sin. The apostle Paul called it a circumcision of the heart. That's really what circumcision in the Old Testament led to. Circumcision in the Old Testament led what was pointing towards this idea that 
Sin was going to be cut out of our hearts and lives by the power of Christ. That idea of cleansing in the Old Testament. Um, Jesus um, used the same idea talking about pruning away the, the, the branches and, and allowing the, the good branches to grow and, and to produce more fruit. The, the idea of cutting away or pruning is the same idea to remove um, the guilt within our conscience. Um, and, and then the, the, this actual purging. Um, even in the Old Testament, King David in Psalm 51, I mentioned that earlier, said, you know, cleanse my heart, O Lord, cleanse me within. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. clean. Wash me and I shall be white as snow. He wasn't talking about the ritual of baptism. He was talking about what God could do in his heart and life because of his repentance and because of his faith. We have a complete and full salvation in Jesus Christ. The forgiveness of our sins and, and the cleansing of that source within, that, that source of sin within us. Changing our consciences so that we can now choose the good and, and, and only see the good and, and begin, you know, and, and this isn't just a one-time one process either. Uh, sometimes it takes a while for, for, for us to um, understand that Christ is cleansing us. We have to continue to, to surrender to it because our wills want to resist it. But he, he, he continues to cleanse our conscience of that guilt of sin within us as well. So many people are carrying around guilt, but they don't want to give up their sin and what they're doing because it feels good to them. They feel pleasure in it. They feel security in it. <clears throat> but if we want to um, really have revival in our hearts, if we really want to see Jesus on that day and hear those words, well done, <clears throat> good and faithful servant, then we've got to do all we can to ask God to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, to turn to Him, and allow Him to cleanse our guilty consciences. All we need to do is humble ourselves, repent of our sins, and believe in what Christ has done for us. And we can do that. And, and as believers in Jesus Christ, we have no more excuse to continue on in our sins. The Bible also says, especially in the New Testament, that, that, that even the, the wicked people of the world have no more excuse to live in their sin because Christ has revealed Himself. But especially as believers, we have no excuse to continue on in sin because Jesus has paid it all, as we just sang. <clears throat> We believe that Jesus paid all. He paid our sin debt. It is canceled. But not only that, He has also cleansed our hearts by that same faith and repentance. We don't have to continue on in sin. We don't have to be sinners in word, deed, and thought every single day. I had a friend that, that said to me one day, another pastor, he said, um, <clears throat> you know, what you ought to do is ask people this question. People who believe that, that I'm just going to be sinful and that I'm just an old sinner and that's all I'm ever going to be. He said, um, can you go one minute without sinning? And they might say, well, yeah. Can you go a whole hour without sinning? And they said, well, yeah, yeah, probably. 
Can, can you go a whole day without sinning? And they might say, well, I, maybe. I, I, you know, I, I've gone whole days without sinning. So if you can do that, then, then, then why are we saying that my life has to be caught up in sin or characterized by sin? What Christ has done is powerful. We don't have to sin every day in word, deed, and thought. We might still sin. It's a possibility. But we don't have to because what Christ has done in His sacrifice and in His eternal redemption, this once-for-all, one-time redemption, is that He has thrown open the prison doors that we've placed ourselves in. When Christ has come and we've accepted Him as our Savior, those prison doors are open. We can walk out any time. Some people choose to live in the prison and not walk out. But that door has been opened by Christ. There's no excuse for us to continue on in living in sin because of what Christ has done. And if we have sin in your life, the easy thing to do, and perhaps not so easy depending, but Christ has made it simple and easy for us, it's not always easy to humble ourselves and get rid of our pride. But all we have to do is, re is humble ourselves, truly repent from the heart of what we've done wrong. We repent from our hearts of, of our sins. And the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have no excuse to continue on in our sin. Anger, bitterness, hatred, reviling, cheating, stealing, lying. Nobody has to continue on in those things if they're a believer in Jesus Christ. Because what He has secured is a once for all, for all time, for all people, redemption, an eternal redemption that is powerful and wonderful. And if we but come to Him, He is ready and willing to forgive us and to cleanse us from all guilt. Some of you have lived your life as a Christian. You, you believe. You, you've, have, you've surrendered your heart and mind to, to the Lord. He has forgiven you of your sins. You, you know that forgiveness. But sometimes you, you're still finding yourself caught up in a pattern of sin and repentance and sin and repentance. Christ can help you with that too if you'll but come to Him. And say, Lord, help me to live according to your law. And if you sincerely and, and truthfully cry out to God in that way, as some of these at, at Asbury Seminary have been doing, He can transform your life. He can transform your life. I want to ask Michael, if you would, pull up Jesus Paid It All again. <clears throat> and as he plays that this morning, and as we remember this, this season that's coming up of Lent, which is a call for us to repent and to um, focus on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And as we think about our sins and our guilt, the invitation for you is to come and pray and ask God to help you. You could do that where you're seated, but I tell you, there's something about coming up as a sign that I'm coming to Jesus to cry out to Him for forgiveness and repentance. I, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready to accept His once-for-all sacrifice. I'm ready to, to uh, have my conscience cleared and, and, and to begin growing in Christ again. You can do that today 
and let that carry on throughout your week this week. Michael, if you would, let's stand. And let's pray. Lord, I